How many of you, um, you love Thanksgiving? I, I, love, I love Thanksgiving uh, time. How, how many of you are just thankful this morning? I'm just thankful for everything God's done for us. We, we, we are, are definitely, definitely uh, blessed. How many are you uh, looking forward to Christmas? I mean, it's a little later. You know, obviously, we, there's that crunch time. How many of you, you've already got your Christmas shopping done? You're like, I'm ahead of it. Anybody? Okay, we hate you. Okay, <laughs> so you can just leave right now. Okay. How, how many of you, um, you like uh, making, baking um, Christmas cookies? Yeah, yeah. How, how many of you like giving them away to people? You like giving them away to people? You like, enjoy doing that? Okay. Um, I, 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 there hasn't been a Christmas cookie that I will not pass up, okay? Um, I've got a little bit of Italian in me, so Italian Christmas cookies, I'm there, I'm with you. Um, how many realize that... Um, God, our Father, loves to pour out gifts on his children. He loves to bless his children. Um, I want to give you a couple of passages here that, that talk about that as we finish up our series on the Holy Spirit. One of the greatest gifts that God has given his children is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about how the gift of the Holy Spirit keeps giving to us, that the Holy Spirit is persistent and that the Holy Spirit um, wants to continually to fill us with hope, with love, with joy, with power for your everyday living. And I want to talk about how to allow the Holy Spirit to be an active presence in your everyday living. And, and we can't do it without the presence of the Holy Spirit. But let, let, me, let me give you a couple passages right off, right off the bat this morning that talk about... Um, God giving gifts. It says, which of you, Jesus speaking, if your son asked for bread, would, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would, would give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? James says, echoes this. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And so we're in this, we're in this season, we're getting ready to go into the season of, of, of gift giving and celebrating uh, the greatest gift that mankind has ever received, and that's the gift of Jesus, the, the, the Son of God. And there is something about gift giving that just excites us, excites us, and especially when you're able to give a gift to somebody and just, and just bless them. I remember when I was a little kid, maybe 10 or 11, 12 years old, we always wanted to go to Florida. And um, we just never really went on a vacation, but we always wanted to go to Florida. My dad worked for Kodak. He's retired from Kodak. And if you guys remember this, for those of you that worked at Eastman Kodak, every year around February, they would give bonuses uh, to their workers. And one year, my dad got a bonus, and he surprised all of us. I have a twin sister and older sister, and I think I was 11 or 12. And he says, "Um, hey, we're going to go to Florida tomorrow. And so he got his bonus. I, we had, I had my mom's grandmother lived in Florida uh, and, and West Palm Beach in Juneau. And we're all going to drive down there and stay, with, uh, and stay at her house uh, for uh, a week. And so we piled up into our 1972 Buick Regal 354 barrel vinyl seats. Three whole days driving from Rochester to West Palm Beach in a two-door vinyl seat <laughs> Buick Regal. 
That was the trip from H-E-L double hockey sticks. Okay, I just want to tell you that. We finally got there. I think there was a couple times driving. My uh, mom and dad threatened to leave me like in North Carolina once. Then I think in Georgia and then in northern Florida, they really threatened me. But it was such a great gift because it was such a surprise. And God loves to give um, gifts. And our, and our Heavenly Father gives these gifts to us to, to bless us, to, to allow us to experience who he is in our lives. And what we've been looking at over the last month is how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And what we've discovered is God has given this gift of the Holy Spirit to help us to continue his work here on earth. And, and Luke says this in, in Luke eleven thirteen. it says, once again, he says, Jesus speaking, if then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's a gift that God gives us to bless our lives, to give us power for everyday living. And then once again, in, in, in the book of Acts, we see the, the, the church gathering together, believers gathering together. And Jesus said to wait in Jerusalem until you've been, been empowered with this gift from on high. And so what is said here in the book of Acts, it says on one occasion he was eating with them, Jesus was eating with them, and he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Or you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. This gift is going to be poured out upon the church so that you're able to do my work here on earth. And what Jesus is doing is, is he's alluding uh, to the prophet Joel, who hundreds of years earlier prophesied about how the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon the church and how the Holy Spirit would reside within the church itself. And as we discover about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's our comforter, it's, it's our helper, it's that word paraclete, one who's alongside of us, who, who never leaves us. And he says, listen, I'm going to leave, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans, I'm not going to leave you alone, I'm not going to leave you fatherless, but I'm going to give you the presence of the Holy Spirit that's going to actually abide in you. And your bodies are going to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. So listen, we don't, we don't come to church, we are the church. So wherever you go, you are the church. The presence of God lives in you. So whether it's your workplace or school, the Holy Spirit's within those who have trusted Christ. And look at the prophet Joel. He, he, he has a vision of what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit's poured out on the church. As afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. I will pour out my spirit. On all people, which includes you and I. And so Jesus knew that we could, we could no way nearly accomplish, we couldn't do nothing without his help with the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew we could not accomplish his work on earth without the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus prepares his disciples before he leaves there saying, listen, Holy Spirit's going to come. This helper, this paraclete's going to come. It's going to help you. You need to wait in Jerusalem before you go. I want to empower you so that you will never be alone. It's interesting that in the Old Testament, we know that the Holy Spirit came on certain individuals, but not everyone, and at certain times. And there's a great example of this, of the Spirit helping Moses 
as he was leading the children of Israel in the desert. Now, that wasn't an easy job for him. They kept complaining and we don't like this. We don't like this. And Moses is ready to pull his hair out. But God has given him his spirit to help him lead. And so what happens here, this is a great example of how the Holy Spirit helps us in our everyday living. So Moses is just, he's, he's tapped out, he's frustrated, and God commanded Moses to bring 70 elders to the tabernacle, and he would take the Holy Spirit that he laid on Moses, and he would give it to these 70 elders to help Moses. And it, it's, we can read about this in Numbers um, 11.25, and listen to what it says there. It says, and the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke to Moses. Then he gave the 70 elders the same spirit that was on Moses. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied, but this never happened again. And so God helps Moses with these 70 elders to help lead and and to encourage him. But what's interesting about this story, there's these two men who were kind of near the meeting uh, these two men, one was called Eldad and the other was Medad. And they received this spirit. Uh, even though they were not in the tent, they were prophesying. And Joshua says, wait a minute, these guys aren't part of us. And he begins to complain to Moses that the spirit rested on Eldad and Medad. And look what Numbers eleven twenty eight and 29 says. It says, Joshua, son of Nun, who had been, with, who had been Moses' assistant since his youth, he, he protested, Moses, my master, make them stop. They're not supposed to be doing that. They shouldn't have the spirit upon them. Make them stop. I love what Moses' reply is. Moses says, are you jealous for my sake? Do you, do you think I'm upset about them being filled with God's spirit? Or what, what, what's the deal here, Joshua? This is what Moses says. I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them all. Now, 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 let's, let's, let's understand what Moses is, is reiterating here. Moses understood something as he responded to Joshua. Moses knew his job would be much easier if everyone was filled with God's spirit. Listen. We, the church, cannot move without the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We cannot be as effective without the Holy Spirit working in our everyday lives. And I think so many times we live our Christian walk with God on empty tanks. And we wonder why many times we feel spiritual apathy or we don't feel a boldness in our witness is because we're trying to please God and serve God on an empty tank. And so Moses understood something. Moses understood something about the Holy Spirit that was the Holy Spirit that was giving him power. It was the Holy Spirit uh, that were helping Eldad and Medad. And, and he didn't want to object to that. He says, listen, we all need the Spirit of God. It would be, my work would be much easier if everyone was filled with the Spirit. You see, this very thing that happened to Moses and these 70 elders and Eldad and Medad, this anticipated once again Joel's prophecy where God's spirit would empower us for his service. So the question is this. The question is not, do we have all the Holy Spirit, but does the Holy Spirit have all of me? 
That, that's really the question. When we come to Christ, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit to the day of redemption. But what we're going to discover is that there needs to be this continual, continual filling in our lives consistently. And without that, we are going to run dry. We are going to get discouraged. And we're going to feel apathy if we're not careful. And listen, I don't, God never, there is no cruise control button in our Christian life. Don't ever, don't, don't ever get apathetic in your walk with God where you say, I get this now. I get up, I do my devotions, I spend this, and I do this, and I go to church, and I do this, and I do this. And, and we can get very mechanical and what we're doing, and we, we feel like maybe I've got it all figured out, but there's no cruise control button in Christianity. We need to have a continual dependence on God every single day. We need to continually have a fresh feeling of God's presence in our lives consistently. We cannot go on what God did yesterday or two weeks ago or three years ago or five years ago. We need to say, God, what are you doing today? How can you minister to me today? How can you move in my life today? And that's the continual filling of the presence of the Holy Spirit every single day in our lives. And what we will see in the scriptures is this special filling of the Holy Spirit was separate and distinct from salvation. It's separate and distinct. And so when we come to the Lord, yes, he fills us with his Holy Spirit. But then there's this, there's this distinctive, there's this second work of the Holy Spirit where there's this continual filling. I don't care if you call it filling, baptism, whatever you want to call it. I don't care. But God wants to continually fill us with his Holy Spirit. And so this is what I want to look at today. Um, Chuck Smith does a great job in his book, Living Water, to explain this. And I, what I want to do is I want to explain three relationships that we have with the Holy Spirit that Jesus describes for us. And actually, there are, there are three Greek prepositions that refer to the different relationships that, that we have with the Holy Spirit or different occurrences. And so the best way I can explain is I have an, I have an illustration here for you today. Okay, So I've got, I've got an empty glass, uh, which I stole from home. So Kathleen's going to make sure I want to get this back. I have our casserole dish, which I stole from home. And I've got a pitcher um, full of water. And I want to explain these, these three Greek prepositions that talk about our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Um, Jesus gives a description here for us in uh, John fourteen seventeen. He says, He says, He is the Holy Spirit who leads in all, all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives within you and later will be in you. And so these three Greek prepositions that Jesus talks about, first of all, he talks about that the Holy Spirit is with you. So this is us before we... Um, come to Christ. We're this empty glass and, and this, this glass or this pitcher full of water represents the Holy Spirit. So when we come to the Lord and we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. 
God, this is making me thirsty. This is making me very thirsty. So we're filled with the Holy Spirit. So here, here are uh, the first step. The, the first step that uh, Jesus talks about is this para. This is the Greek word para, where the Holy Spirit will be with you. And what the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. The Holy Spirit leads us and draws us um, to Jesus' side. So there's that conviction. The Holy Spirit's coming to the world to convict the world of sin. That's that word para. But then there's the second step of being filled. It's this Greek word en. And it's where, it's the same as our English word in. The Holy Spirit dwells in us at the point of salvation. So we're filled with the Holy Spirit. So people say, you know, is there a point that we keep getting more of the Holy Spirit? No, you're filled with the Holy Spirit at the point of salvation. That your body now becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. However, this is where the good news comes in. Jesus says, it doesn't stop here. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit wants to come upon you or fill you. And that's the Greek preposition or the Greek word epi. Everybody say epi. Okay, now you know a Greek word. Now you're all smart scholars, okay? It's this word epi, which actually means come upon you or overflow in your life. Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit will come upon us. And he says this, we can see this in Acts 1.8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, now this is different with with and in, but he says the Holy Spirit wants to come upon you. Because, listen, these believers were gathered in Jerusalem. They were followers of Jesus. But Jesus says there's the second work of the Holy Spirit that actually wants to flow through you and actually come upon you. And what's interesting about this, he says, you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the, the earth. So what I want to show you is God doesn't want us to stop here. God, the word epi means this. An overflowing in your life, a continual filling in your life that you know God's presence is there, that he's given you power to live every single day in your life. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you this through scriptures, that through the book of Acts, we see this starting point of this Holy Spirit overflowing or coming upon the early believers in Acts chapter 2 when they were gathered together and they were praying and, and doing the very thing that Jesus told them to do. And so we see the Holy Spirit coming upon them. But what you're going to see throughout the book of Acts is that it didn't stop in, in just Acts chapter 2. But there was this continual filling of giving the early apostles and disciples this ever-present power in their life to continue to do the work. There are going to be times in your life where you are stretched, you're at your limit, and you're going to need this ever presence of overflowing in your life. And God says, I'm going to be faithful to give that to you. So over and over again, we see in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit filling the followers of Christ to empower them. And so what we see is this continual filling, this overflowing, this torrents of living water that God says, I want to flow through your life. And a great example is this found in, in Acts chapter 4. This is a great story. So in Acts chapter 4, the church is being launched. Thousands of people are coming under the Lord. There's people that are getting healed. 
and saved. And people are starting to take notice, especially the religious elite. Um, They're starting to take notice and they're not liking this. And so the apostles, they're preaching about the resurrection. They're talking about Jesus. They're healing people. And there's one elite group of, of, of Jewish, of the Jewish, Jewish sect called the Sadducees. And they didn't believe in the resurrection. And they don't like what Peter's saying about the resurrection or the apostles are saying about the resurrection. And they don't like all these people that are becoming Jesus followers. So they begin to interrogate them. And in fact, they actually bring them into custody because they want them to stop. But how many know you can't stop the Holy Spirit? There's no country, there's no wall big enough that can ever stop the Holy Spirit. And so we see this tremendous move of God. Thousands of people are getting saved. Uh, Peter and John are being interrogated by the Sadducees and they're questioning them and other religious leaders begin to question them also. They didn't like Peter and John talking about the resurrection and so they took them into custody. And at this point, thousands of people are coming to, to Christ and this is rocking the status quo. They don't like it. So the religious leaders come together and they say, we've got to do something about this. Um, there's too many people that are believing in Jesus and we, got to, we have to stop this movement. Now I want to show you what happens in Acts chapter 4, because this is really interesting. Peter spoke to these men. Now, remember Peter, not much earlier than that, rejects Jesus or denies Jesus when a junior high girl asks him, do you, do you know him? He's like, I don't know him, right? And so we see this, all of a sudden, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, has this boldness that he never had before. I want to see what happens here. This is amazing. It says, the next day, the rulers, the elders, the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. And so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, all the, uh, and the others of the high priest's family. You got the big dogs there. Everybody, the, the, the big shot religious leaders are there, and they're interrogating them. And Peter and John brought before them and began to, and they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name do you do this? What does it say? It says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, in the power, in the presence, filled with the Holy Spirit again. He said, rulers and elders and people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness show to a man who was lame and are being asked, how was he healed? Listen to what he says. Then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Drop the mic, walk away, right? He's like, he's filled with, he's, he's not shy. It's Jesus filled in the power of the Holy Spirit. How many could say Peter's got some boldness there? And so Jesus, he says, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected which has now become the cornerstone. Now, now he's quoting scripture. He's quoting it back to them. That this is what the scriptures speak about. Jesus is this, is the fulfillment of this scripture. He says, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled. They're just Galileans. How, how can they be so versed? How can they have so much boldness in the way they talk? It's the Holy Spirit. 
ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. See, what changed for them was Jesus. What changed for them was the filling of the Holy Spirit in their life. They did not back down from their testimony of Jesus Christ. Powerful, powerful example of what happens when the Holy Spirit is in charge of our lives. And so they were astonished that these uneducated men spoke so well. And so what happens is they were released and they returned to their friends. I mean, they're just like, I, I, you know, these rulers are like, I don't know if we can stop this. Um, so they were released and there was a group of people that were praying for them. And so what happens is they return to their friends and report what had happened. And they were thanking God and, and praising him for what God had done and what God had accomplished. And all of a sudden they began to pray together. And I like what happens. In Acts 4.31, it says, after this prayer, they had this beautiful prayer together. They said the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, they're overflowing with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And what happened after they were filled, they began to do what? They began to speak the word of God with boldness. Listen, if you're, if you're timid in your witness for Jesus Christ, it's not a lack so many times of understanding of who Jesus is and what he did for you. It's a lack of power and boldness that the Holy Spirit desires to give to you in your life over and over and over again. See, what's interesting about this, I want you to understand this word filled with the Holy Spirit or this gift or baptism, whatever word you want to use. I want you to understand something about this gift of the Holy Spirit or the continually filling of the Holy Spirit. It is not a one-time event. God desires that we continually be filled with the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. And this is what we see throughout the book of Acts. Paul reiterates this very fact to the church in Ephesus when he says, he says, listen, don't get drunk with wine that leads to debauchery, that leads to all kinds of sins. But he says, but ever be filled and stimulated it's the Amplified Bible, with the Holy Spirit. And what's interesting about this verse is Paul is not describing a one-time occurrence. In fact, my ES, the ESV study Bible notes say this. The commandment in the Greek to continually be filled with the Spirit is a present imperative and does not describe a one-time filling, but a regular pattern of life. What we see in the early church is this regular pattern of life where God continually fills his followers with his presence. Not a one-time event like we see in Acts chapter 2, but a continual event to give them strength and power to be witness for them, to speak the word boldly, to be an ever-present witness in the world around them. Paul says, be ye continually filled with the Spirit, an ongoing event. See, once again, it's not 
do we have all the Holy Spirit? But does the Holy Spirit have all of me? And so the question I want to ask you this morning is this. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you relying on the Holy Spirit to continually fill you in your life? And what I want to do is I just want to, I want to ask you just a series of questions. I have those in your notes that, that, that you just need to ask yourself. And as we close up this series on the Holy Spirit, my desire for you is that God would give you a fresh filling of his Holy Spirit in your life. What's wonderful about the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our life is that, is that God gives us gifts to help build up the church, gifts of wisdom, knowledge, tongues, all these things to help build up the body of Christ, to build up you. But it starts by being filled with the Spirit. It can't be me. I can't do it in my own strength. Have you ever tried to do something in your own strength without getting someone else's help? And you're so frustrated because you're like, I know I can do this. I know I can do this. And, and we hate to ask for help, especially sometimes men because we can be a little stubborn there, right? Kathleen always tells me, Bard, why don't you just ask for help? Why don't you just ask for help? I go, I can do this. I can do this. And then she goes, well, don't come complain to me when your back's thrown out and you're hurting, okay? We need help. We need help. And I just want you to ask, do, do you have a hunger for the word of God? Has your zeal for the word of God gone stale? You need to be filled with the spirit. Do you have a deep love for the world and fellow believers? If, you're, if you've become cynical and hardened to people in the world and your compassion has waned and your empathy for the world has waned, You need to be filled with the Spirit. Do you have a desire to share what Christ has done in your life? When was the last time you shared with somebody about what Jesus has done for you? I'm not trying to lay a, a condemnation trip or a guilt trip on you, but we need to be filled with the Spirit if that's waning in our life. If we lost the desire to share Jesus and what he's done in our heart and our life. If we're not looking for those opportunities to share Christ, if we're just going from point A to point B in our daily living without any thought to the person that I might meet today or talk to today and, and praying for an open door that Christ would be glorified in that conversation, we need to be filled with the Spirit. And do you pray for the Holy Spirit to flow through your life? You know, you can do that. The Holy Spirit, I just, I need you to come. I need you to fill me today. I need your presence today. Do you lack spiritual power in your life? You need to be filled with the Spirit. Listen, Peter is no different from you and I. That's what I love, that the, that the Word of God doesn't hide the flaws. He wasn't some super Christian. He struggled. He denied Christ. But here Peter, filled with the Spirit, did something that he couldn't do on his own. And he spoke to those men. Peter being uneducated, he wasn't a scholar, 
but he knew what Christ had done for him and being filled with the Spirit, he could speak to those religious leaders being filled with the Spirit and they saw the difference in his life. They knew that he was with Jesus. Have you ever been around someone that you just know they've been with Jesus? There's just something different about their lives. You know, you're like, man, this person, you know they spend time in prayer. You're like, man, this is, this is the person that I want praying for me. You need to hang out with those people and rub shoulders with them and, and let, 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 let a little of that Holy Spirit rub off on, on you, right? You need, do, do you lack power? And do you succumb to the same temptations in your life? Are you struggling with the same thing? Listen, we're all going to struggle with temptation and sin. That's, that's just our world. But if I consistently give in and I'm not growing, you need to be filled with the Spirit. We need that power. And my prayer for you today is that if you've never asked for the Holy Spirit to fill your life, I want to pray for you that that you would allow yourself to be open to the filling of God's Holy Spirit. And if you're here today and you've experienced that in your life, then I would say, God, fill us anew and afresh. Listen, the last thing I want for our church is a stale, mundane church that we do the same thing over and over and over again, right? I want God to continually do a new thing in our midst, in our presence. And it starts with you and I being open to the Holy Spirit individually in our lives. That when we come into this place on a Sunday morning, we've already met with Jesus during the week. And we're ready to do church. We're we're ready to worship. We don't need Katie and the worship team to stir something up in us. We're already here. We're ready. And we want God to do something unique and special in our hearts and our lives. I want you to feel that presence of the power of the Holy Spirit that when you're at work and you see somebody hurting, you feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit to say, hey, can I pray with you? Listen, I don't have the answers. I don't have the how-to, one, two, three. I don't even have a book to recommend, but I know God. And I know Jesus and what he's done for me. And can I pray for you and ask God to help you? That's the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to wake you up in the middle of the night and say, I need to pray for that person. There's been so many times people have come to me and just say, Pastor, I just, I don't know why, but God has laid you on my heart to pray for you. I don't know what it is, but I just want you to know I've been praying for you and, and I just ask God would minister to you. And I don't know how many times I needed to hear that. That's the Holy Spirit. I want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit prompting my heart. I want the Holy Spirit to prompt my heart to say, Barden, that's not what I want for you. That's not going to satisfy you. Come to me. Come to me. And let me give you a fresh presence of my Holy Spirit in your life. Amen. I want to pray for you. Would you just bow your heads with me for just a moment? Just, just, as, you're, just as you're sitting at your seats,
I'm just going to ask you to do something today. I'm not going to ask you to do something weird or goofy. (laughs) But I would just ask for you, as you're sitting there, as your, your eyes are closed, your head is bowed before the Lord, And if that's your desire today, then I would just say, just turn your palms upward. And just say, God, I'm giving you my life. And I'm asking you to fill me anew and afresh today. I've got a lot of burdens on my heart, burdens in my life that I can't carry. I know my walk with you isn't where it's supposed to be, so I need your presence and your power in my life. My, my walk has become stagnant, and I know it. And Jesus, you're calling me to fill me anew and afresh with your presence. Lord, I pray that you would fill our tank today with your presence. So, Father God, as our palms are lifted up to you, we surrender to you. And Lord, I just ask that you would fill our church with your presence. I pray for every individual that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for continually giving us what we don't deserve or earn. Thank you for giving us your presence so that we can live in this world, that we can do what you've called us to do. So fill us today, I pray. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we thank the Lord today? We just thank Him for His presence today. Amen.